You were created for more, and this show is meant to inspire and equip you with the tools you need to help you live on purpose. This is the podcast that keeps it real and highlights amazing business owners and impact makers so that you get your fire ignited and take your greatness out into the world. If you've got big dreams and know you were created for more, this is the place to be, and I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to the Created For More podcast. I'm so excited to talk about PR today, public relations with Melinda Jackson. I feel like this is such an exciting thing to think about for your business, but most of the time we don't really know how to start, when to start, why to start, what we need to start. Um, And we feel like it's meant for those bigger names, right? Or bigger businesses, or you have to like be so successful at a certain level before you start getting PR. And that's not really the case. Maybe on that bigger scale it is, but there's also ways for you to start even in the beginning phases of your business. So really no matter where you're at, it might be okay to start with PR. So to help you better understand, I brought Melinda on the show. And she has a lot of experience in PR, both for small businesses, which is what she does now. And, um, but she also comes from like the LA area. So she was in the, you know, movie actor type people industry. (laughs) So uh, she's going to give us a lot of insight into what it just means to get PR and also ways that you can get started dabbling on your own and start to build some of that traction. So Let's hear from Melinda in just a sec. Here's her official bio. With over a decade of international PR experience, Melinda takes an untraditional approach to public relations, branding, and influencer marketing. Having worked on Grammy and PRSA award-winning campaigns, Melinda has a proven track record of helping clients grow their businesses and careers. MJPR, Melinda Jackson PR, not only serves traditional PR clients, but also music and entertainment as well. You're going to love the simplicity of how she breaks down PR and how you can get started and to understand like when is the right time. Plus she's just so sweet, which, you know, I feel like goes with the vibe of what we do here at Created For More Podcast. So I loved having her on and I hope that you enjoy this episode. All right, Melinda, we're ready to get some publicity. So excited to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's worked out. So, you know, some like behind the scenes real quick. Melinda was scheduled and then I had to cancel on her twice in like the same week because my computer just decided to not work anymore and was in the Apple ER for like over a week, almost two weeks, I think. And then today's like a rainy day in Southern California where I live. So I'm like, oh, I hope everything works out. I cannot not talk to Melinda. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's okay. I totally understand. And technology is great until it it doesn't work. So yes. And, you know, I feel like, you know, things happen for a reason. And we probably are going to have a way better conversation today than we would have had a couple weeks ago. Yep, exactly. So publicity is kind of like a thing that we hear, right? PR, mm-hmm. right? We want it, but we don't we don't really know how to get it, why we want it, how to leverage it best. So I'm excited to have you on the show because um I've never really talked to anybody about this. I've like taken some free trainings and I've like followed some 
people in the industry, but I want to like get into the weeds with you a little bit today, but how did you get started with PR? Yeah. So it's, it's really funny, uh, kind of how it happened. So I grew up in rural Eastern North Carolina, well, barely Eastern North Carolina, we can claim it though, uh, kind of (laughs) in the middle of the state, but, um, yeah, I grew up in a very small town, 4,000 people. My parents wanted me to be a teacher. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I originally wanted to go to film school because at the time they were filming Dawson's Creek here and one tree Hill. And we have a huge studio in Wilmington and that's what I wanted to do. But my parents said, girls don't do that. You know, conservative Christian Southern parents are like, girls don't do that. Girls are teachers or nurses. And Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, didn't want to hurt anybody. So I didn't want to be in the medical field. So I was like, teacher, let's, I'll be a high school history teacher and I'll be a cheerleading coach and a soccer coach. That's, that's what I'm going to do. So I get into college. I was a cheerleader at, at my school and a lot of the other cheerleaders were communications majors. And then I was like, okay, this is adjacent to film. This is kind of what I would want to do. And one of the girls would go to LA in the summers for internships. And I'm like, okay, that's what I want. And this is at the same time that you know, the show Laguna Beach was out um, and the same age as those kids. And then the Hills came on. And so they, they all lived in LA. They worked in entertainment. They worked in PR. And that's when I realized, okay, that is a a face to a name. That's what I want to do. I didn't know that that's exactly what it was, but now I know it's PR. Mm -hmm. So I was a communications major and that my goal was just to move to LA after I graduated. So after a couple of roadblocks and things like that, uh, I graduated a semester late Uh, Well, I didn't even graduate yet. I had to stay an extra year. So after the first semester, I moved to LA and I made a deal with my school. Like, let me go ahead and move. And you didn't even really do virtual classes. This was in 2009, 2010. I was like, let me just do something virtually. I lacked like two credits. Let me just do this. Count whatever I get as a class. And so I had this really weird hybrid thing where I would zoom in or like Skype into my class like once a week and uh, kind of tell them what I was learning in LA. And yeah, so the rest was kind of history. I hustled and hustled. I had three internships at once in LA. I didn't have a full-time job. No one would hire me. It was the recession. Nobody knew who I was, what school I was from, anything like that. Um, I was up against, you know, girls who's, who went to USC whose dads worked at a studio so that's who they're going to hire over some girl that went to a private Baptist university in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, I hustled, 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 slept on the floor for months, had $500 when I moved out, no job, knew no one, made it work, ended up leaving LA seven years later at the top of my game as a, a senior publicist uh, or senior account executive at one of the top firms in all of entertainment. So I made it work. (laughs) That was a very long convoluted story, but very long story short, I was essentially uh, inspired by the Hills. (laughs) So good. Well, it's fun to hear this because I think we're probably close to the same age because that's totally like my era. Yeah. And duh, that we are so compatible. Like I was a cheerleader too. So like, there we go. There we go. I feel like (laughs) we're we're sisters by, by sport. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Um, I also like coach cheer. So that was a, a big part of not a big part just for a couple of years, but I miss it so much. I, so that was like one of my first jobs in LA. I was coaching at a high school in Burbank part-time and yeah. So I was 
I literally was coaching cheerleading, Trey passing at events, working three unpaid internships all at once just to make the $500 a month to help pay the rent for a room I was sharing with someone and I didn't even have a bed. I was sleeping on the floor. So definition of hustle. (laughs) And not even, so hustle is like one of those words that I have a hard time with because I don't like the hustle culture. No, yeah. But I agree that we have to hustle a little bit Mm -hmm. in phases, right? Yep. But to me, it's more of like going after our dreams Mm -hmm. and just whatever it takes to make it happen. Like it's required. It's not always just going to be handed over like those USC girls with rich daddies. No offense to you all if you're listening, but just, you know, like some of us have to make it work, whatever, you know, with whatever it takes. And that perseverance is such a key part of success. And I think so many people give up too soon because they think, oh, it didn't happen. I gave myself six months and like nothing happened. So they just kind of give up or they go a different direction. And I, if it's where you're supposed to be, it's never going to stop tugging on your heart. Exactly. Exactly. And love that you stuck with it. And that whole thing, that's really why I did it. My parents didn't want me to go. They cut me off completely. Like when I say I packed up everything into my car and drove across country, I did with $500. That's all I had. And I didn't have a job, anything, but I knew that was what I was supposed to do. And I kind of have, I always tell people this, like, you know, my parents, they're great. They're very supportive, but those huge decisions in life, I've always gone against what they've said and it's always worked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have my best interest at heart, but we're just completely different, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's just a different generation too, that mm-hmm. they, they grew up a certain way. And I feel like our generation, a lot of us like have been breaking those chains of yep. what we're supposed to do. And sometimes our parents are supportive and sometimes they're not, but we still have to like make our own way. And now as a mom, I like have a hard time because I'm like, well, you should do this. But then I'm like, yeah, Lisa, like let them just like grow into their own beautiful woman self and pray hard. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta trust that you have taught them to enough that they can go out into the world and handle it. Totally, totally. Well, I love that you got to prove your parents wrong. Yep. <laughs> I still and, am. <laughs> um, good. Um, but you guys are all good now, right? Like they Yeah, we're good. Um, <laughs> but whenever I so, you know, I left LA at 29. I was about to turn 30 and I just had extreme burnout. And mm. I I knew that I needed to come home or just I needed to change. So the easiest thing was to come home and um you know, I live in Raleigh now and we're a top 25 market. We have huge tech companies here. It's growing all the time. So, um, it felt like the right opportunity, but then I worked at an agency here for two years and I just, again, got really burned out and told my parents, I think I'm just going to start my own company. And they were like, no, don't do that. You need to find a job. Do not do your own thing. My dad literally called me the day I quit my job and said, you need to break your lease. And you need to move in with us. And they live about 45 minutes from me. And I was like, once again, watch, you need to trust me. And so within a week of quitting my job, I had enough clients that I could pay all of my bills. And four years later, here I am. And my dad sees my tax returns every year. And he's like, okay, I get it. I get it. 
you're making more money than you could anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you're so right. It's like other people, especially parents, um, but anybody else that's kind of trying to tell you what you should do, what you ought to do. Mm-hmm. They are truly for the most part, wanting the best for you. They do it with love because that's all they know. But I think Mm -hmm. there's always a part of those types of people that want to do something different and they're just so afraid. And I feel like you busting through and proving it that you can, that it's possible. It gives them some hope, whether they take it or not. I feel like it's still doing something inside of them. And then you just get to also like, you know, show up and help so many other people with exactly. Yes, totally. I love this. Well, then let's switch gears and talk about all the PR goodness. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. I definitely love your journey and I, you've made it a successful business. Um, so like, where do we, what do we do for PR? Just talk to me like I'm five. (laughs) Okay. So when people don't know what PR means, no one ever understands what it is. If you ask my parents what I do, they're like, I don't know. Uh, I have a six and a 10 year old nephew and they know if you ask what they call me sissy, they know if you ask them what sissy does, they say sissy gets people on TV. And that's what I kind of tell people. I get people on TV. That's PR. So to me, I do what they call more organic PR, organic placements, earned media. Essentially what I do is clients pay me a retainer every month. And then I reach out to the media on their behalf and try to get them interviews, mentions, podcasts, calendar listings, any kind of organic media like that, Mm -hmm. any kind of, even the smallest mention helps because it really is a numbers game at this point. You know, people have to see somebody a couple of times before they buy in. So that's really what I do. That to me, that's what PR is. It's truly public relations. How does the public perceive you? How are you relating to the public? So why is this like something that somebody would want to do? Because again, like we talk a lot about, I love the organic vibe, by the way, like to, to me, that's such a key part of our our authentic Mm -hmm. businesses, right? Yes. I I know that's like a buzzword, but truly like, I would rather have that organic growth versus like, let me pay to be famous. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's a, there's a line where it's like, okay, let's throw some ads money or whatever. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with it, but I just love the organic. And and that's what I teach on social and, Mm -hmm. and a little bit of like, you know, podcast and collaboration thing, not PR by any means, but I love, I love this idea. But where does somebody decide like, okay, I'm going to move from organic social and small growth options Mm -hmm. to like a PR situation? Yeah. The way I kind of look at it is, yes, you can do a lot with social, a ton, but at some point it's really still in that vacuum. You're still only getting to these people. So that's when PR comes into play. And that's when, you know, even if you just start super, super small and start local, your local newspaper, your local morning show, your local, um, you know, monthly magazine, or even, even like everybody has those monthly magazines locally. And you, you may get their newsletter every single morning. That's like, here's the things to do today or whatever, even starting with that newsletter and just getting a mention in that, that, stuff really does help. And then you can snowball it because you have to remember 
if it's just on social, you're still reaching the exact same people. And unless people share it, you're really not doing anything besides your followers. And then Mm -hmm. when the advertising stuff comes into play, it's like, yeah, that does help. But I get really annoyed and I can tell when something's an ad and you probably do too. And we all get these suggested posts and we don't pay attention to them. So that's when having that organic media, having the mentions, even like I said, just a simple calendar listing on an events calendar, having that really does help and sparks that um, attention for people. So then they'll go to your social and then you can expand the story for them. So PR really is a great asset to help continue tell the story and to get more people pointed to your socials. Gotcha. So is it more for people that are in like, like not in the online space? It's not right. It can be anything. I mean, you can literally do, I have all kinds of clients, so it can be anything. I just asked because like, I don't subscribe to a newspaper anymore. I don't have yeah. cable, so I don't watch the news. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I love the idea of that, but I don't know how you would end up getting them. How? Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I literally was saying last night, I only turn on my cable to watch a basketball game. Like I don't turn on my cable for anything, but I may follow all of the local accounts on Twitter, or I may have them on my, my socials. So that's kind of where a lot of it gets picked up. Or I do get the newsletters every, you know, every other morning, every morning, whatever, that's maybe by Raleigh Today or by Raleigh Magazine or whoever else. And it's like the best bets for the weekend, things mm-hmm. like that. I think a lot of people, you know, I don't subscribe to the newspaper either, but I do have them on Twitter or I do have them on my Instagram. So I will see them sharing it. So that's also something I've kind of started doing with my media outreach where I'm like, okay, I know you do not have time to write an article on this. Can you please just share our event on your social media? And a lot of times if I provide them the picture and a couple of lines about it, they'll even share it on the stories stories, and that helps because then if they're tagging us, we can reshare it and that adds legitimacy on both ends. Nice. Very cool. So I think that was a long way of saying, even if people aren't consuming it in the the normal ways, they're still probably going to see it on social media. That's probably normal, actually. I'm more old school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's how I'm thinking like, well, I don't have like the Tribune delivered or the LA Times. Yeah. Um, I used to, and I like it. I like the idea of it. I just don't anymore. Yeah. So is there like a time frame of when somebody would want to consider PR? Like, I feel like you don't want to do it when you're brand new. So what, yeah. what, what are like the top three or five things that you need in place before you start yeah. to consider PR? So, I mean, it can be when you're brand new, it just depends on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Are you launching a product and do you have some big news that's worthy enough for somebody to write about you? then maybe maybe you need PR. If you're launching a candle brand and this is just your side hustle, probably not yet. If you're launching a, can, a candle brand and you're in collaboration with somebody bigger, like an influencer or something like that, maybe that's when you ask PR to come in. One thing I always tell people is when you're looking to, to get a publicist, ask yourself, can you actually handle the press? Like, if you get all this press, can you actually handle what's going to happen after? So Mm -hmm. if you get a ton of press, are you going to be able to fulfill all those orders? Do you have the capacity? If there is just a huge swell of media, do you have the capacity on the back end to handle that? Do you have time to do interviews? Do you have time to fulfill all those orders? 
are you shorthanded? Are you going to need to hire somebody? Think about that. And if you're like, yeah, I could, and my business would really benefit from this, go for it. Um, Another thing I always say is, you know, if you are doing PR yourself and you're just kind of doing a couple of interviews here and there, but you really want to bump it up to the next level, that's when you should bring in a publicist. If it feels like it's too much of an undertaking for you and it's going to be easier to hand over that duty to somebody else, that's when it's okay to bring a professional in. Very cool. And is there like, a, do you help with like the story of it or? Yeah. Yeah. So what I, what I always do with my clients when I first bring them on, or even before that, when we're just figuring out if this is a good fit, I'm like, what do you actually do? Tell me what you do. Why is it different? You know, why do you want media? What, what's your end goal? And what are some angles that we could talk about? What do you feel comfortable speaking about to the media? Mm -hmm. If it's just a product, okay, great. Well, that's only going to be one angle, but is it, are you a female owned business? Are you a mom? Have you overcome something? Is there a charity aspect? Do you have any collaborations? You know, these are all multiple angles that we can explore or else it's just going to be a boring, like, Hey, here's a candle. I love that. I feel like that's such a key part because so many times, even for myself, I have a hard time with that vulnerable story part. And I think that's such a key element to connecting with people, which is what all of this is about, or it should be about. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I find that when I open up and I am sharing more of like what I'm going through, whether it's in business or not, um, in a classy way, I'm not like airing dirty laundry, but yeah. for example, like going through the surgeries that I did over the last year, sharing those and the struggles and the ups and downs and like the hard parts of it. Like people just loved it because they connected it, connected Mm -hmm. with it in different areas of their life. And I think that's where PR really helps is like bringing out those stories that we tend to want to hide. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I always try to do with my clients and something I figured out very early on. And I don't feel like a lot of traditional publicists will do that or a lot Mm -hmm. of traditional firms. They just go for the low hanging fruit. Like this is a person, this is what they do. End. But I know that I connect so much better when I know the backstory. Like I know I keep using a candle brand, but that's just an easy example that I always say. Yeah. And I don't have any clients that have candles. So whatever. <laughs> but it's like, okay, if I see this candle, oh cool. But like if I know the person is a female business owner, I'm like, well, that's cooler. Well, oh wait, that's this is their backstory. Well, that's that's awesome. Oh, here's what they've oh, overcome. They started this as a side hustle while they were doing X, Y, and Z. Okay. You know, then there's that buy-in and I'm going to want to support that person. And so I always try to find those backstories. This is an example I always use. And it's so weird. But when I did entertainment PR in LA, we had a jazz musician and nobody would touch him. Like he was, he toured a lot, but he wasn't super popular. But then we realized, oh, he does long distance bike rides when he's on tour. So then we started reaching out to bike press and we're like, Hey, here's a musician. He got really into cycling while he's on tour. This is a way he explores the cities. This is a fun exercise thing for him. And then they were, then they talked to him. So that opened him up to a whole other community. Um, And maybe he got fans from that. We don't know, but I always love to explore those unique angles and tell the backstory behind it. Because again, you're helping people. You're not only helping people by sharing your story, but you're helping people find you. Uh Uh-huh. That's so good. 
So you've like, so you've shared a lot of how you work with people, which I love because it's such a, it's a relationship that you're yeah. building and growing with somebody. So I know you have a free gift that you mm-hmm. offer to people on how to find a publicist, yeah. right? Yes. So what will that, how will that help us? And it'll be in the show notes. If anyone wants to grab that, the link to download it, but how will that help us? Yeah. So it's, it's really just a couple of tips. So, um, you know, as you're looking for a publicist, be that me or somebody else, you know, I don't care. I just want everybody to win. That's me at the end of the day. Like, I don't care. Um, but it really does break it down and, and helps you figure out, okay, like, what should I be looking for? Because a lot of people I've just, you know, I've been in the business almost 15 years now and I'm, I see, people saying, oh yeah, I can do X, Y, and Z for you. But a lot of that is just smoke and mirrors and it doesn't actually work. So I kind of wanted to break that down for people. So, um, you know, going and setting up an exploratory call and seeing if you even like them, you know, that's, that's one thing. And then, (laughs) yeah. And then breaking down kind of like what the red flags might be. So, you know, a lot of people come to me and they're like, um, how come you don't have any of your clients listed on your website? And I will never list my clients on my websites because I've seen so many people put Nike on their website when they haven't actually worked with Nike. They did an event that Nike maybe was a sponsor of, and maybe they only did PR for that event. So technically Mm -hmm. they could say they worked with Nike, but Nike is not their client, you know? And so things like that, where people can kind of like, you know, fudge the line a little bit. Yes. Yes. That's a nicer way of what I was going to say, but yeah. (laughs) So essentially it's just kind of breaking down what to look for. Do, do you guys mesh well? Do they have, do they understand what you do? Do they have any kind of client? Do they have experience in your area? Do they have other clients that are like you? And sometimes, you know, when they have clients that are like you, it feels, oh, like maybe they would know what you're doing. But if they're signing 10 clients that are the exact same thing, you're going to get lost. So there's just a few tips to, to help you find somebody that, that is a good fit. Awesome. Awesome. And you just launched a course. Tell yes. us this. Yeah. So I was very anti-course for a very long time. Um, and <laughs> because I've been scammed by courses, you've probably been scammed by courses. <sighs> I see all these things. It's like, okay, for a hundred dollars, I can tell you how to do X, Y, and Z. And then you pay the hundred dollars and it's nothing. And you're like, why did I waste my money on this? <laughs> so after so many years, I was finally like, okay, I'm going to do this because I was sick of people getting scammed, honestly. And I was doing a lot of consulting calls for clients that or potential clients that maybe they didn't have the budget for me to take them on. Um, or I just didn't want to do, I didn't feel like it would be a good fit for me, but this is still a way to help people get the PR ball rolling until they're ready for somebody or until they have the budget um, to bring somebody else in. So it's just a DIY PR course and it breaks down um, first do a deep dive on branding and getting your branding on point. Because if all of that is not tight, it doesn't matter how much press you get once people go and and find your brand or try to find your product, if it's all discombobulated, it's not going to do any good. You're not going to make any money from it. So breaking down the brand, then breaking down what is PR and how it all works. So that's telling you what PR is, how to find contacts, who to pitch, how to pitch, what is a pitch? Do I need to write a pitch? Do I need to write a press release? What does that look like? 
Do I need to put it on a wire? What is Harrow? You know, how to get on podcasts and then thought leadership. Um, so it's yeah. all a huge DIY course that is going to teach you how to get the ball rolling for yourself again until you're ready for somebody else or to even see if you like it. So awesome. Well, that will also be in the show notes. So you can grab that course, get that ball rolling, like Melinda said on PR. Okay, but I was starting to wrap up, but I I can't anymore. We have to like restart everything (laughs) because I pre-named this episode being a thought leader for a reason. I really wanted to talk about that because I know that so many people want to be known or considered a thought leader, but like they have a hard time with what that means and what kind of content do I produce and how do I show up? And I know that a lot of what you already said is was helpful towards that. But I just kind of want to get real, real specific here for a few minutes on what your take is on thought leadership. Yeah. So I love positioning my clients as thought leaders, Um, you know, coming from the entertainment world, that's kind of what I'm used to. You know, you're selling a person um, when it's an actor or something like that. So when I moved back to North Carolina, a lot of people like no one wanted to hire me because they're like, we don't have famous clients. We don't have that. That's not what we do. Mm. But I'm like, I can use these skills with whoever, you know, we're working with. So be that a biotech company. Okay. Well, who's the founder and let's talk about what his passions are and why he knows bio this section of biotech, like the back of his hand, and let's make him be the number one person people think about in this sector. And so that's really what thought leadership is. And so right now, for five years into owning my own company, I've kind of morphed things into being um, a publicist for a lot of female-owned businesses and creating or making these women thought leaders in their industries. So yeah, it's, it's, I love, I just love helping people tell their story at the end of the day. And so, you know, one thing I always say is get clear, get so clear on two to three things that you want to talk about that, you know, you can talk about like the back of your hand and make sure it's a little bit different, you know, like, yeah, I can, everybody can go out there and talk about PR all day long, but I'm coming at it from a different perspective. You know, I have a different perspective than a lot of people in Raleigh might have, or a lot of people in LA might have. So what are those two to three things that you can talk about that you feel so comfortable talking about all day long? Mm -hmm. Um, And then figure out, you know, what benefit that's going to be to somebody and then just kind of run with it. And just like harnessing in on that, will help people help you be synonymous with whatever your industry is and help people think, Oh, yep. PR Melinda Jackson done. So that's really, really important. So again, I mean, it's like that across the board with PR, just figuring out those two to three things that you can talk about all the time, but get so clear on them because that's something that if you want to do speaking engagements done, here's my, here's my talking points. Here's what I can talk about. Mm-hmm. If you want to be on a podcast, here's the things I can talk about. And you can always go back to those and just really set yourself up for success in whatever area you want to be a leader in. That was perfect. Thank you so much for sharing <laughs> that. It really comes down to like standing out amongst the crowd. Yes, there are a ton of people in PR or social media or website development and design like you have to decide, yes, there are some basic foundations, but here's why I'm different. 
here's how I'm serving you differently. Mm-hmm. And that's how you, you stand out. You're not going to go and like totally revamp the PR methods necessarily, yeah. but it's about like, how is this experience going to be different than anything else you will ever experience with somebody else? Yes, and sometimes that's exactly. scary. It's scary to stand out that much and yeah. go out like, here's, here's why I'm special and why you're going to benefit from working with someone like me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And talking about yourself is really scary. It is. Like, I, and it's hard. I mean, I pitch myself for podcasts like this so I can help people, but even me, I pitch people all day, every day. I have to get used to pitching myself. So yeah. that's why sometimes it's good to have somebody else do it and bring a publicist in. So then they 100%. can figure out different angles for you. And, and a lot of times we're too close to it. So, you know, if you want to be a thought leader in your field or whatever, like, and you don't have the money for a publicist right now, bounce it off of a few friends say, okay, do you think this would be beneficial if, say I had a speaking gig and these were the three things that I would talk about. Would you find that unique and special and beneficial? Ask like, you know, ask your community, ask on social, um, ask, you know, pull your, pull your customers, pull your followers. They're going to give you really good feedback. Love it. Amazing. Okay. (laughs) Now that puts a pretty bow on this episode. Um, Linda, that was, it was really helpful. Um, I know that the free guide that you have about what to look for, how to hire a publicist. Um, you had mentioned, cause there's like some sketchy people out there. Yep. So you want to really make sure you're working with somebody who's knows what they're doing and is truly there to help you. And then this course sounds really awesome for anyone who again, is not quite ready. Um, they just want to dabble, see where it's going to go until they're ready to invest regularly and kick things off. So, yep. <laughs> Fabulous. And then on, I know all your links are going to be in the show notes for anyone who wants to connect, but where do you love hanging out the most? Um, Instagram uh, is the best place to find me. So at Melinda Jackson PR or my personal is at Melinda Gale, G-A-L-E. That one's way more fun than my business one. Um, so oh. it's just a lot of randomness. Um, I don't yeah, think I either, you there, so. <laughs> oh, well, you're going to have to. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> so yeah, either either one is great. Awesome. Well, thank you again for sharing your knowledge with us, your story, and just inspiring us to get excited about PR. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome.